podcast. We are a church in Birmingham, Alabama, and our aim is to be a diverse family of believers living to make the real Jesus known in Birmingham and beyond. This sermon is part of our Advent 2022 series, Far As the Curse is Found. If you would like to find out more information about Emmanuel, visit our website at emmanuelbirmingham.com. Thank you for listening and Merry Christmas. Uh, good evening. It's not morning right now. Um, welcome. Merry Christmas. I'm glad you're here. Um, if you're guests with us this evening, uh, welcome to you as well. My name is Austin Baker. I'm the lead pastor here at Emmanuel Church. I want to welcome you to our Christmas Eve gathering, um, one that will be uh, chaotic and memorable um, all at the same time, I hope. So um, I want to pray for us real quick, and then we're going to very, very briefly look at God's word together this evening. So let me pray for us. Father, I do thank you for Christmas, and I thank you for sending your son Jesus to come and to be born and to live and to die and to be resurrected and to ascend. And we look forward to him coming back. So Lord, I pray now as we look at your word that you just guide us and lead us by your spirit for your glory. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so much of life is a learning to live within the tension of joy and sorrow. You know, for, you know, we may find joy in putting down roots in a place, you know, pouring into people, building relationships, building up a church, our home church maybe, only to be offered a position somewhere else that we take, and there's this joy of a new opportunity, and yet the sorrow of departing from people we know, people we love, people we care about. Parents understand this tension. You know, we take great joy in seeing our children grow, sending them off to college, giving them away in marriage. But there's also a profound sorrow mixed with joy, a sorrow that they're no longer our little boys and little girls. They're big now. They've grown up. And while we love seeing them mature into responsible men and women, the, the sorrow of time gone by, is mingled into that joy, creates this real complex, weird emotions and feelings. And as Christians, we experience this at funerals, don't we? I mean, especially if the person that has died had suffered for a while. We experience joy that their pain is now over, that they're with the Lord, but at the same time, there's profound sorrow that they're no longer with us. Now, some of you feel that tension right now, and you find this weird combination of joy and sorrow. Enjoy that Christmas is here once again. Once again, you're given time to worship and reflect on God becoming flesh and the incarnation and Jesus. But at the same time, this holiday season looks a lot different than last year. And maybe different people, maybe different places, maybe your families have changed, maybe those around your tables have changed, circumstances have changed. And there's a sorrow of loss it's just mingled in with that joy, and it can feel pretty disorienting at times, you know, pretty confusing. You know, Luke 2.19 is a verse that's tucked away in a passage that most of us are very, very familiar with. We've heard the story of the shepherds watching over their flocks by night, right? They're out on the fields watching their sheep when an angel shows up out of nowhere, 
and declares to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you that is born this day in the city of David, a Savior is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. So then a choir of angels shows up with the one angel. And they all declare together, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The shepherds, they get over to Bethlehem as quickly as they can. They, I assume they brought their sheep. Um, I hope they did. But they went and found everything just as the angels had told them. And they tell Mary and Joseph this story of what had happened. And those that hear the story, they're, they're blown away. And they leave, the shepherds leave, praising God is what the text says, and glorifying God for all that he had done. I imagine there's a lot of commotion, a lot of hoopla, a lot of celebration in that moment. But in the midst of all the noise, in the midst of all the celebration and all the joy and all the laughter, sits Luke 2.19. And Luke 2.19 simply says this, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. In the middle of all that celebration, you have a contemplative, quiet mother holding her newborn baby boy, a baby boy who was born into obscurity, a baby boy who was born into poverty, to two scared teenagers that had no idea what they were doing. A boy, baby boy wrapped in just simple clothes, yet this baby boy in the arms of Mary is the hope of all the world. I mean, you think about how hard that would have been to fathom in that moment, how hard it is for us to fathom. We've all held babies. Some of us are doing that right now. I mean, think about Mary holding her baby. This helpless, hungry, crying baby is the reason of good news and great joy for all the people. I mean, this newborn is the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. The birth of this baby brings angels into the realm of mankind, singing songs of peace and of praise and of glory. It's this baby who is the, the hope of the world that literally needs his mother to keep him alive in that moment. And Mary hears these stories from the shepherds and she treasures them. She ponders over them. She meditates upon them. And this is the life of a mother. I mean, is it not? It's a life of treasuring and pondering. You know, every mother's heart in this room is full of treasured memories, thoughts, mental photos and stories you have tucked away in your heart that you find yourself thinking about in the stillness of the night. As your children grow, you remember the days when they were babies and the joy you had and them depending upon you. The joy they had when you would simply walk into a room. Their faces would light up. Your hearts are treasure chests. They're lock boxes of intimate thoughts and feelings and memories around your children. But even in the midst of the joy of those memories, there's the sting of sorrow. The sorrow that those days will not last forever. That they rush through your hands as swiftly as a, a stream of water. And for much of life, even more so, the life of a mother is learning to live within the tension of joy and sorrow. 
So Mary treasures and ponders all these things about her baby boy in her heart. Her and Joseph, they take this baby boy, Jesus, to be presented at the temple. As was the custom of the day, they go to dedicate him to the Lord, and they see Simeon, this old, devout, godly man, and he takes this baby in his elderly arms, arms that have been waiting for this day, and tells these perplexed parents that this baby was the salvation and hope of all mankind. And as Simeon is saying these things, faintly, maybe off in the corner over here, they hear someone else start to praise the Lord for this baby named Anna, an 84-year-old widow who had spent most of her years at the temple praying for this baby to come. And he's here, and they hear her praising God for his redemption of his people through this baby. And Mary continues to treasure and to ponder. This baby becomes a toddler. Joseph and Mary watches men come from the east bearing valuable gifts for their son. These men come and they're following this star for days, months, years maybe even. And they see this boy and these grown men fall down on their faces and worship this child. They offer him these great gifts, valuable gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Some of the most valuable gifts of the day. And Mary treasures these things, and she ponders over these things. Mary watches her son grow, and she watches him, a 12-year-old boy in the temple, amaze the religious teachers of the day with his knowledge and wisdom and insight into the scriptures, and Mary once again treasures and ponders. The boy grows into maturity, takes up the family business of carpentry, he swings a hammer, he works with his hands. And I wonder what Mary's thinking watching her son grow. You know, for for someone who had so much heavenly and earthly fanfare when he was born, I mean, from the the age of 12 all the way to 30-ish, his life has been lived in relative obscurity. Not a lot's happened that we know of in the Bible. He lives in a town of remoteness called Nazareth, where the running joke of the day was, can anything good come from Nazareth? It's a backwoods country bumpkin who builds stuff. People knew him as the carpenter's son. That's about it. But then the time came, the time when this obscure carpenter's son stepped out of the shadows and into the light. Baptized by John, began teaching the truth of God, loved the outcast, showed grace to the failures made whole the infirmed, gave strength to the weak. Yet in spite of all of this, he is betrayed by one of his best friends, handed over to Roman authorities, put on trial, convicted of crimes he did not commit, beaten beyond recognition and hung on a cross. And after being abandoned by nearly everybody close to him, two people remained as he suffered on that tree. John, one of his apostles, and his mom, Mary. And I wonder what she's thinking. I wonder what she's pondering in that moment. From all outward appearances, it looks like the prophecies concerning her son had failed. The words of the angels of, excuse me, of Simeon, of Anna, I mean, the Savior of the world, the hope of Israel, the the light to the nations. I mean, how is that possible? He's sitting here hung up on a cross, bleeding out. And as that crown of thorns is shoved down on her boy's head, the brow of that baby she once kissed, 
as nails go through his hands, driven through his hands, those little hands that she once held in her own, as she watches her son die and have his body wrapped in cloths as she used to wrap him in cloths when he was a baby lying in a manger. And as the scent of that burial ointment, that myrrh, as it hits her nostrils, I have to believe she's thinking about those men from the east that came to deliver those gifts to her son many years before. But what Mary does not realize in that moment, as the sorrow of Calvary seems to swallow up the joy of Bethlehem, is that this is how God was choosing to save his people. You know, much of life is learning to live within the tension of joy and sorrow. But for the Christian, sorrow does not have the final word. You know, the arc of the life of a Christian ends in joy. For the sorrow we experience in this life, all the loss we feel in this life will be replaced with joy. The sorrow of death at Calvary was quickly replaced with the joy of the resurrection at the tomb. For three days after watching her son go into that tomb, Mary begins to hear rumblings that he's no longer there. Just as angels delivered news of his birth, so angels came and delivered news about his resurrection. And Mary realizes that although sorrow may last for the night, joy comes with the morning. So much of my role as a pastor here is reminding us that joy comes in the morning. It's not making light of sorrow. It's not hurrying someone through the grieving process. It's not downplaying suffering and pain and hardship. Those things are very much real. But it is in the midst of the fog of sorrow that you may find yourself in. My role is holding a lantern of joy and try to navigate us through, the cl- through clarity and get some clarity to get to the other side. Now, in this moment, I don't know where you find yourself this Christmas Eve. But for the Christian in the room, let me hold that lantern a little higher for you tonight. And let me remind you that joy's coming. Christmas Day brings joy for the believer because it reminds us that God is a pursuer of us in the midst of our sorrow. Joy may feel elusive now, but it is coming. The Lord will restore to you all that the locusts have eaten this year and the past year and the past year. And if you're here tonight and you don't know the joy of Christ Jesus, maybe you've never, like Mary, treasured and pondered the ways of Christ in your own heart. He invites you and I invite you to do just that, to believe on Christ Jesus. If you have any questions about what it means to be a Christ follower, a lover of Jesus, come find me after this. There's stuff to do tonight, but we can talk, all right? We can talk. I love that. The experience of the Christ follower is much like the experience of Mary. Joy, sorrow, joy. This is the story of Christmas. So church, may we be filled with the adoration and exaltation of our God. And may the glory of Christ from manger to cross to resurrection be our hope in the days to come. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you even now as my son is crying and I can hear him. I thank you for Christmas. 
thank you for the reminder of the Christ child in the manger. Now, he was made like us in every respect, yet without sin. You could have saved the world in so many other ways, yet you chose to send a baby. Why, I don't know, but it brings you great, great glory. So, Lord, I pray now, as we continue to sing, as we continue to worship, I pray now that you remind us, Lord, that joy does come with the morning. That even as we wake up tomorrow morning, celebrate Christmas with our families, may it be a reminder of the joy you bring in Christ Jesus. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.